0: This episode is brought to you by Nourish and Flourish, a handcrafted, independent publication taking readers on a journey from the soil to the stars. Subscribe today at
1: nourishandflourish.site. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, we're celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, We've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org.
2: Welcome to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum. I love to talk with people about what they do and how it influences their personal food stories. This is a show about people, life, and food. If you're just tuning in for the first time, all the previous episodes of Feast Your Ears can be found in the archives at heritageradionetwork.org. This is Heritage Radio Network's 10th anniversary. Please join us for our spectacular gala coming up on November 11th at the Brooklyn Botanic Garden, www.heritageradionetwork.org. gala I'm thankful for listeners like you, and I'd love it if you'd leave me a review wherever you find this podcast. I'm coming to you tonight? Today? What time is it? I don't know. From Japan? I'm on the other side of the world. It's late. It's early. It's in between. So thank you for listening to Feast Your Ears.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, we will
1: soon
0: make a brief stop
1: after Nagaoka.
2: Passengers changing to the machine and tsumai. Please transfer the this
0: station. The stop after Nagaoka will be Urasa.
2: Today is dispatch from Japan. I'm in Japan right now. I've been here for about six days. I flew to Japan as part of a Jetro buying trip. Jetro is the Japan external trade organization. They bring buyers uh, and people who are interested in Japanese goods to Japan to check out craftspeople um, and look at products they might want to bring into their home countries. I went to I went to Subame Sanjo which is part of Niigata City on the north side of Japan. Uh, It's very famous for its metal manufacturing. So I went there, I attended a trade show, uh, looked at lots of great items, everything from smallwares in the kitchen to pots and pans, uh, knives, woodworking chisels, glassware, uh, steel uh, cups, tumblers, mugs, lots of really cool coffee. Material, uh, pour over holders, uh, coffee canisters, uh, just a lot of really beautiful, beautiful stuff that we don't really see in the U.S. market. So hopefully some of that might be coming to the U.S. at some point. For those of you that don't know, I work uh, aside from my time here at Heritage Radio Network at a company called Kikuichi, uh, which is a knife company, oldest knife company in the world, based in Nara, Japan. It's actually where I am now. I'm in Nara today. Uh, I will be. Visiting with our headquarters, um, having lunch with a couple of our master knife craftsmen to talk about their work, talk about some new ideas for products for the uh, for the United States. So for those of you that haven't ever traveled to Japan before, it's pretty far. A uh, direct flight from New York City is about 14 hours. It's a lot of time to sit on a plane. Uh, you can watch a lot of movies. You can try to sleep if you can sleep on planes. Uh, so I had to take a 14-hour flight. Uh, And then one of my favorite things when I come to Japan, and I highly recommend this if you do visit Japan, is you should rent a Wi-Fi hotspot. It's not that expensive and it's about $5 a day or so, but it means you can have Wi-Fi everywhere. And traveling in Japan as a uh, gaijin, as we are colloquially known uh, as a foreigner, much, much easier if you have Google Maps. Google Maps is quite good in Japan at this point. Uh, You also can use Google Translate, but you need the web for that. So you can go online, there's a bunch of companies, uh, and you can order one. I used japanwireless.com, and you tell them what flight you're coming in on, and they send it general delivery to the airport. Uh, Each of the major airports in Japan has a post office, so it's kind of like your James Bond. You get off the plane, you walk to the counter, you tell them your name, they pull out a package for you, and you take your Wi-Fi hotspot. You open up the, uh, the you open up the documents, and uh, there you go. You have Wi-Fi in your pocket. So I did that. Then uh, I had to ride a train from Narita, which is the, one of the two airports in Tokyo, into Tokyo. Then took the train from there uh, north to uh, Tsubame Sanjo. That was the Shinkansen, uh, the famous bullet trains in Japan. Uh, ate some sushi on the train. You should definitely do that uh, as well. I highly Highly recommend it. Traveling on the trains in Japan is really one of—it's uh, really a pleasure. Um, you know, I've ridden on many trains so far this trip, uh, as I mentioned, from the Tokyo Metro, uh, a different couple different versions of the Shinkansen. I took the uh, the Nizomi Super Express yesterday from uh, Yokohama Station to Kyoto, uh, and then took a smaller uh, local express train from Kyoto to Nara and then checked into my hotel and then took a train from Nara to Osaka and then from Osaka back to Nara. Um, There are so many different trains in Japan and it goes from like the super fast bullet trains which go you know almost 200 miles an hour all the way down to very very tiny local trains that almost look like trolleys um, and everything in between They're always on time. They're very clean. Every time I'm here, I wish that we had the same kind of train service in the United States. I mean, imagine if Amtrak could get you from New York to D.C. in two hours on time, in comfort. You go speeding through the countryside. Uh, The ease of transfers in Japan make me long for this kind of thing in the United States. I think our country's too big to effectively install a train system like Japan. Japan has a much higher population density, which makes it possible for train lines to operate the way they do here. But even if we just took a page from the Japanese, we installed high-speed rail between larger cities in a few regions, LA, San Francisco, San Diego, Portland, Seattle on the West Coast, maybe a corridor on the East Coast, New York, Boston, DC, maybe even all the way down to Miami. Uh, I think that we would find it would be easier for people to get around. Uh, You wouldn't have to get on planes. Uh, It's more environmentally friendly. So yeah, if you're listening government planners in the United States, you should you should be doing that. Anthony Bourdain is well known for having been a huge fan of the egg salad sandwich from Lawson. Lawson in Japan is a chain of convenience stores. Actually, it started in Ohio. Uh, the name was licensed in Japan. Eventually, the original uh, chain of stores in Ohio closed, and now... It's le- we're left with Lawson in Japan. Uh, it's synonymous with the late night hunger uh, and maybe after drinking, maybe if you need one extra drink for the road uh, and everything else a convenience store has. But, you know, it has a lot more and seems to have much better quality products than a lot of the convenience stores do in the United States. Uh, it's also a place to use the restroom, buy a newspaper phone charger, get coffee. And yes, indeed the egg salad sandwich, uh, and the onigiri are some of my favorite traveling foods. They're very easy to pick up. They're cheap, uh, and they really, really are delicious. I try to stay away from the fried stuff. Uh, I mean, you can get a whole array of karage and tonkatsu and other fried things in the convenience stores. Um, but I'm sure it's probably better than the fried food at just about any other convenience store in the world. There's excellent coffee. Uh, in Japan, I have found. Uh, There's also really crappy coffee in Japan. I mean, you've got large chains, you've got Starbucks now, but you really also have people who are making and serving coffee in the tiniest places you could possibly imagine. And not always in urban centers. I went to a wonderful coffee shop in uh, kind of outer Tokyo called Blue Door Coffee. Um, It's a tiny, tiny tiny shop. They have a roaster that's the size of a dorm refrigerator. They're roasting their coffee every day. Uh, It's been there long since before Blue Bottle. The name thing is just a coincidence. Uh, And it is out of the way. It's on a tiny road. It's got no parking. It's across from some you know, sort of either large gardens or small farms, depending on how, you know, how that breaks down. And, uh, you know, they've got 20 different roasts and they seem to do a pretty brisk business. And I love that, you know, they're not out there trying to, uh, hustle and expand their coffee and distribute and wholesale and hopefully get bought by Starbucks or Nestle or whoever. They have just been running a shop there for, you know, decades and it's just really really good coffee um that said you know it's pretty expensive the the beans to take with you uh are you know in the eight to twelve dollar for a hundred gram range so you're talking about you know forty to sixty dollars a pound so the coffee is very expensive um and not something people are going to drink every day but boy is it delicious
0: This episode is brought to you by Nourish and Flourish, a handcrafted, independent publication taking readers on a journey from the soil to the stars. Nourish and Flourish showcases thought-provoking stories from around the world and stunning photography. Each issue explores emerging trends in food, nutrition, recipes, soil health, technology, regenerative agriculture, travel, and more. Volume 1 of Nourish and Flourish includes features on the Svalbard Global Seed Bank, the International Symposium on Bread, and ancient Hawaiian aquaculture. Are you interested in eating healthier and learning more about where your food comes from and living a more connected life? Subscribe today at nourishandflourish.site. For $29.99, you'll receive three issues. That's 38% off the retail price. Nourish and Flourish connecting readers with the people and stories that make a difference in living a more balanced, healthier life. Subscribe today or find a retailer near you at nourishandflourish.site. Are you
1: enjoying this show? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. I'm Luke Griffin, and I'm the host of Bushwick Podcast. Each week, we share the remarkable stories of how artists, activists, and entrepreneurs collide in Bushwick a special Brooklyn neighborhood that's changing faster by the day. You can find Bushwick Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and on Radio network.org.
2: I've had, obviously, some really good food in Japan. Uh, had a Tsubame Sanjo style ramen, which I'd never had before. Uh, There's a picture of it up on my Instagram at the food baller. The broth was heavily porky, uh, smelled really porky in the restaurant and shoyu. uh, So soy sauce based thick noodles, really great texture on the noodles. They're bouncy and twisty and kind of curly um, and a lot of fat in there. Uh, It seemed like the kind of ramen you would want to eat on a day when it was cold. Like a brisk fall day would have been great. Unfortunately, it was about 90 degrees Fahrenheit the day that I ate it, but it was still still delicious. When I arrived in Tokyo, I met up with a friend, went to check out a really neat little shop called Vinegar Banksia, uh, and they are a tiny store that sells handmade candles because the owner's a candle maker and then they also sell vinegar drinks um, again kind of shop that can operate in japan that we just don't see in the united states it's a tiny little boutique but then they also offer beverages but they also have a liquor license so you can walk into this tiny little shop that you can get you know just a really refreshing uh, shrub with seltzer water they do a banana shrub they do one that's Earl Grey, um, and they do a couple of others, and it was just delicious. And then you can also get that with as a cocktail. Um, they have the licensing to do that. It's much easier here in Japan than it is in the United States for that kind of thing. And then we went and had lunch. Uh, we went to a very small, traditional-style kind of unagi restaurant, which is eel. Um, just comes in a tiny little box over some rice. You get some pickles on the side. The pickles were funky, clearly fermented in-house, uh, with some daikon and some cucumber and then at the very end of the meal they bring you a light broth soup had some chrysanthemum leaves and it had the heart of the eel and you know one of the things that I always find so special about eating in Japan in these kind of very small specific restaurants is that they do things in a traditional way and there's always a meaning behind it and the idea behind that is that you get strength um, and that you you know they do have the the concept of motainai here which is this sort of hatred of waste and they really want to use everything if you're going to take an animal's life you want to use every part of it so rather than just letting it go you know go to waste or be put into you know something else they celebrate that and so you're eating the heart of the eel for strength i love getting to eat in people's houses when i come to japan it's a really special experience to get to eat a home-cooked meal anywhere you travel and i got to go to my friend's house who i stayed with and his mom cooked us cooked us dinner um and you know very simple but really delicious just so much love was in the food there were pickles there was rice there was karage fried chicken uh, uh there was some soup there were cooked mushrooms and it just feels so nice to sit down When you're traveling and when you're away from home and you're in a different place in someone's home, it's very comfortable. It's not the same as sitting in a restaurant. Um, You know, you can take off your take off your shoes. You can relax a little bit more, let your guard down. You're not in a public space uh, and really just enjoy the company of your friends. There are vending machines in Japan all over the place, Uh, mostly selling drinks, although sometimes you'll see one that sells sake uh, and beer outside. Sometimes you'll see them selling cigarettes, but really what you see are vending machines like we have in the United States where people are buying cold drinks. Uh, But in Japan, sometimes you can also get hot drinks. They really are all over the place. They're on the side of the road in rural areas. They're in train stations, Um, and they don't just have six or seven options like in the U.S. all from the same brand. Sometimes there's three or four dozen coffee, juice, water, soda, tea, sports drinks. They're open 24 hours, of course, and it's always fun to try new things. I appreciate that here in Japan many of the beverages are unsweetened. I find it annoying when I'm in the United States and I'm traveling and I stop at a gas station or a convenience store I can't get an iced coffee in a can or a bottle that has no sugar. Here they're almost all presented black. A word of caution, or a note about the details depending on how you want to take it, be aware that many of these machines have a hot and a cold section. So if you push the selector button under a can of what you think is iced coffee and you don't confirm that the button was blue and instead you push the red one. You can get a hot can of coffee or tea or whatever you've chosen from the machine this is nice on a cold day standing on a train platform i'll give you that but if you've been up for 24 hours and you have to catch this one last train to get to your destination and it's hot and humid out and you only had enough change for one can pulling that hot can from the machine by mistake can really bring you down I'll be back at it in the studio next week. I hope you've enjoyed this roundup of some of the things I've seen and done on my trip here in Japan. And I hope you'll follow me on Instagram at the Foodballer and you can see more. Thanks. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Feast Your Ears. You can find Feast Your Ears as well as lots of other great podcasts at heritageradionetwork.org on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please take a moment to rate and review the show. And please reach out if you have any questions. You can reach me via email, harry at thebrooklynkitchen.com. And you can follow me on Instagram, at thefoodballer. This program is powered by Simplecast.
1: Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you,